case file two zero two zero zero six one three investigators adam evan subject matter mobile gaming welcome to case study i'm adam i'm evan and we're going to be talking about mobile gaming today. I think it's something that a lot of people have a lot of opinions on, whether it's good or bad. There are a lot of ways that companies make money on it, and I kind of want to talk about that aspect of it as well as how companies incentivize you to play these games over and over. Now, you and I have played mobile games before, many times, a lot, but there's patterns that I've picked up over the course of years that I think is worth going through. So to that, I have written for someone else, but at this point, I figure it's good enough to share a document that I called Mobile Gaming Strategies, and it kind of walks through all the different kinds of, not tricks, but things that I've strategies yeah strategies or i guess tropes is kind of kind of where i'm going at where they'll design a certain feature or market the game a certain way in order to draw people in and keep them playing so let's start with we can briefly go through development but this is not something that you or i have really any real experience in no i have i have no experience with development you have more experience with development just from being a computer science major and, and, and doing actual coding. but Right. But like I've never made a game, so no idea. But there are a few things that I'd like to just quickly go through. You know, you pick a genre, pick something that people want to play if you're trying to make a mass market game. And then you got to pick your orientation. So is it going to be a vertical game or is it a horizontal game? Today's world is mostly vertical. So you could say most games are probably designed vertical on mobile as opposed to desktop, which is primarily horizontal. And there's another factor there too with, with how games are like displayed is the modern trend in phone and mobile computing design. Like phones are getting taller and taller and, and some phones are going even to skinnier than they may have been in the past. I mean, I remember like the Samsung, uh, gosh, what was it? But Samsung had like this really fat phone. They, I mean, they called it a phablet, right? A phone tablet. It was just ridiculously wide. And people could do different sorts of things on it. And then you have the iPads, the tablets. And, and with more and more people carrying a smartphone that is in a tall vertical oriented thing, games tend to follow that trend because it's easier to market to a segment of the population that already has this screen like this. Right. And, you know, the most recent example is the Galaxy Fold, mm. which is a very skinny phone that unfolds into a square shape. And everyone kind of looks at it and goes, why do I need this? This is something that's happening. But then that causes developers to go, do I need to start building my app to a widescreen format or a square format? It's just something that you have to think about when you're making these things. And that's always been a problem, actually, is poorly optimized app design. Like there were apps that would not work on iPads. There are apps that only work on iPads. And I'm saying iPads, really, I mean generally in tablets, but iPads have probably the most active like actual tablet app market. I don't right. think there's a ton for general Android tablets or Windows tablets. But so that's always been, been an issue and a concern with mobile gaming is how do you optimize it for all these different screens? 
So that leads to less variability in the type of game that's out there, probably. Yeah. And then finally, you have graphics and sound, which arguably are the most important parts about building a game for mobile, because that's the thing you're looking at. And that's the thing you're hearing all the time. But depending on your game, you will have to decide because there's so many different types of phones out there, what your limit is for resources. So some games are very resource heavy and might not be able to be played on lower end phones. So that kind of eliminates your market there in terms of what you can do. So let's talk about how to keep people in your game. I call this retention. And there's a few points that I have. One is grinding for anything. That's like, I need to gain experience. I need to get more materials. I need to build up my inventory in order to do something, whatever it is. Something that takes your time to continue to do that just over and over. That's just something that you can come back to do every day. You see this in a lot of games. Yeah, it's probably the most widespread gaming gotcha in all video game forms. I mean, in in mobile gaming, you see it with things like Candy Crush Saga, where it's get the next level, get the next level, get the next level, and they they find ways to monetize it and make money off of it. You see it in uh, games like, let's just throw out Diablo, because I've been thinking about it recently. Uh, You see it in, hey, you need to go do things to get new drops, new gear, and that's a grind. You have to grind for these things. And so in mobile gaming, you tend to see it with a lot of level and time-based things a way to get people to keep checking it you know daily weekly monthly whatever it is so that probably not monthly that's a little long of an attention span but you can get people coming back and coming back and coming back because there's this grind that is based off of time and how long it takes to do certain things right now i have some pros and cons here like it's easier to keep the player occupied and they're incentivized to kind of build up your resources over time. But it might seem like it's a chore or a hassle, players, if you're doing it over and over and over again. But something that I noticed a lot of mobile games doing is, hey, daily rewards. Log in every day and you get five extra gems or whatever. And that just kind of incentivizes people to come back over and over. Well, and, and heck, not just mobile games do daily rewards. You see that a lot in, in you know big-time PC games, console games. I mean, let's talk Animal Crossing. Every time oh, yeah. you go check your your uh whatever the the shop is called not not nook's cranny but but you get you get bonus nook miles for for going in and logging in and checking you know exactly you could argue that animal crossing is a mobile game oh yeah you could (laughs) (laughs) you could absolutely make that argument another completely basically on the complete opposite side is competition you have scoreboard and For some people, that that really draws them in. A few examples that I'll use is any sort of MOBA game, mobile or not, will have scoreboards and and rating and ranking systems. So the system called the ELO, which is the creator's name is, oh man, Arpad ELO, came up with this formula that I don't understand, but you can read it if you want, that basically calculates your rating against other people and this is called different things in different games in overwatch it's called sr or mmr which is skill rating or matchmake rating but it is an incentive for people who are competitive people who play sports as one you're trying to get the most points you're trying to get the highest score whatever that keeps you coming back to the game and keep playing it 
Yeah, and ELO is is a really interesting uh, ranking system and, and all all the derivatives from it because what what it does is it basically says your performance your your in game like like let's just look at like say CS:GO you have a, a a kills death ratio you have a KD ratio and your individual performance in that game may be affected by that but obviously it's a team game right so a team ELO would be can only be inferred by wins draws and losses so you go in. And you look at it and you say, hey, you win more often than you lose. And they do all this comparisons with that. And basically what it says is it gives you a ranking. And then if you beat someone who is ranked lower than you, that was the expected outcome. So you gain a little bit of ELO. You, you get ranked a little bit better because it's like, yeah, you, 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 you met the expected outcome. You did good. You, you know, you, you won. But if you lose to someone who's ranked lower than you, then they get more points, a lot more points, and it comes out of your point pool. So whenever you win or lose, it comes out of your point pool of your opponent just to kind of keep ranking each other against each other. So it's this very competitive format because it's directly tied into how you perform against other people's performance. And it's a, a fantastic way to rank competitors. And, and it originally started as, as a chess ranking system for professional chess players. But uh, it now it's 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 obviously grown into to what it is with MOBAs and, and other games and competitive mobile gaming systems like that. And I think an interesting point to think about there is mobile games, you're not really designed, it's not really designed to sit there for long periods of time. It's not comfortable, it's a small screen. So if you have matchmaking in your mobile game, you need to somehow ensure that players are having fun almost all the time. And it doesn't really feel fun to lose in big games. So if your game is low stakes, I'm trying to think of some mobile games that do matchmaking, but I can't think of any outside of, say, like Hearthstone or I don't know if Clash of Clans does matchmaking. Clash Royale does matchmaking. Clash of Clans does like clan versus clan matchmaking. There, there's there's matchmaking opportunities there, and there is a Clash Royale actually basically has a uh, an ELO system. So you're okay. playing against another player if you beat them, you know, the whole whole ELO ranking system thing. Right, but I'm wondering if Hearthstone's a bad example because it's cross-platform. So let's just stick with the the mobile-only ones. Mm-hmm. I wonder how many of those are supplemented by bots. In which case, you're guaranteed a win because otherwise, you're gonna be if in a perfect matchmaking system, you lose the same amount of time you win because no, there's no. It's impossible statistically for everyone to win all the time. Well, I I think uh, that's true to a point, though. In a perfect matchmaking system, you will win more until you reach your actual level of proficiency in ELO. And then you will win as much as you lose because then you're bouncing between some rankings and stuff. And you'll have times where you take like five in a row and then lose three in a row. Like it, it, it averages out. So I think there probably is throwing in some bots so that players can, can get a, a sense of, what was it, a, a sense of achievement. But I think more often, I think the bots come in when you start having dwindling player base, maybe. Like if, if someone's trying to find a match and they can't immediately find a match after a few minutes, then maybe you get paired with a bot just to have something to play. Because it's more important for a, a mobile gaming company for you to stay in their app and play their game than it is for you to necessarily win or lose against a real alternate player. Right. And 
it's kind of hard to tell in mobile games. One, because the screen is kind of small and because of the way the games are designed, sometimes you can't really tell if it's a real person on the other end or maybe you're playing against a bot. Game's not gonna tell you that because like you said, they're trying to incentivize people to keep playing their game. Yeah, so that pretty well wraps up competition. I mean, you're, you're, you're trying to compete against each other, right? You, there, there's people that are naturally want to be ranked and play ranked and see how good they are and, and get good at video games. But then, I mean, there's some people that don't. So, you know, those games don't always appeal to those people. Yes. All right. So the next thing that, that kind of ties into the grind really is is time gating things. And this is actually one of my biggest gripes with mobile gaming is locking content behind an artificial time gate where you it's like you have stamina and you you run out and it's got a timer for you have to wait five minutes for it to get one stamina back stuff like that i i have to say few things make me quit a game quicker than a time-based stamina based you only get so many actions without paying or without watching an ad. I I can't stand this system of mobile gaming. It just, it really feels like artificially restricting you to monetize the game. I'm okay with grind more so than time because grind, I can, you're typically able to put more time in to get the rewards in a grind, but in time you're pretty well gated against a arbitrary limit of what you're able to do without paying or without you know watching really annoying advertising or something which we'll talk about later but yeah i hate time (laughs) (laughs) and some games are designed hand in hand right grind is tied to the grind an example i'll give is regalia lost which is a game that i've been playing since it came out but it has stamina with time gates, but you can always get, they always give you tons of like recovery materials basically. But to gr- to, to upgrade your resources, you need to spend a lot of time, regardless of stamina, just running through each map over and over and over again. So that goes back to grind. Yeah, and, and, and actually, uh, for, for me, Clash of Clans was a game that I played a lot. I, I kind of died off a little bit. But I've kind of come back to it over the years again and again. And it has a a really hard time cap on stuff. I mean, there's things where it's like, oh, you're upgrading this building. Okay, you only have like four builders, five builders to do upgrades. And that upgrade takes 10 days. Okay, yeah, that's that's a that's a time lock. But for some reason, it feels different because it's it's not you can't do things in the game like i can still go out and and play the game and attack and stuff it just caps my progress at a certain speed and i i hit the point really where in the game i have free builders i just don't have the resources because i don't play the game enough right and that and that really felt like a really healthy point to hit for me but then it's like okay i don't play the game enough right now so i kind of dropped off a little bit but that's a almost a completely separate definition of, of time-based game locking and, me- and mechanic than just the stamina mechanic which is a really that's a like locking how many plays you get in a day versus locking how long it takes you to progress in the game right and, and I'll use Dragalia as an example again. It has the same mechanic where you have builders that you can upgrade these, they call them dojos, whatever, they're towers basically, that you pour resources into and that gives your characters more strength, right? You can fight higher level bosses and stuff, but if you don't spend the time and resources to upgrade them, you won't be able to do it. It's a fixed percentage boost. So 
it's guaranteed that you have to do them in order to do the higher level difficulty stuff. Otherwise, there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. We have also story and replay value. Replay value kind of just encompasses all of it, and story is pretty much non-existent on most mobile games. Uh, I I would argue, actually, you've seen, for some reason, I want to say in the last five years or so, you've seen a lot of mobile ports of games, like, let's just, uh, because I I know it's existed, is Resident Evil. That is completely a story-based game. It has some replay value, but it's a story-based, you know, game that really you look at it and it's not a mobile game at all like it's it's solely a story-based game it was originally built for i think playstation might be wrong about that but it's it's a console pc game that they ported and i think you're seeing a little bit more of that these days as we see phones increasing in processing power and and screen size it's just become easier to bring these mobile ports of you know traditional video games that are story story based or or a role-playing game into into the mobile world i mean heck is there a mobile skyrim i know they came out with blades but there must be yeah there must be there's the classic you can play skyrim on a you know smart fridge someday right like that's gonna happen it used to be doom that used to be the big can it run doom yeah yeah but that does bring up an interesting point is control schemes are a challenge on mobile some of these don't translate too well and you don't want to frustrate the player by having a poor control scheme most mobile games have like big buttons you tap you swipe and that's it but on say a controller or a mouse and keyboard that there's no swipe that's not a move that you can do with a joystick or a mouse and honestly uh i'm gonna throw out a couple mobile games that aren't necessarily traditional mobile games They're, they're they're really they're ports minecraft and terraria are two pretty big pc games right we've established this when i play those games on my phone I find that my thumbs, fingers, really, I mean, I'm holding the, the phone horizontally in two hands, so I'm using my thumbs for the buttons. My thumbs are really kind of too big to really play because it blocks what I'm able to see of the screen, and I just don't have an enjoyable experience with that control scheme, so I don't play them much on mobile. I kind of bought them, tried it out a little bit, and it's like, nah, not a big fan. Really, I prefer the, the PC mouse and keyboard. Uh, control scheme for that and 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 that is constantly going to be a problem with with ports and with mobile games in general is just the interface is you sticking your finger in front of the screen where you're seeing the gameplay and doing things on the screen that affect the gameplay so it, it, it can be a really interesting challenge to design a mobile game such that you can play it but you can also see yourself playing it and watch the game Right. You kind of have to build in these dead areas where you cannot show your game and you have to put in controls. Or if you go all the way, you just make your controls invisible and it's just game. I mean, even even if you make the controls invisible, though, you still have the issue of I've got fat thumbs, you know. Yeah. My thumbs take up a, a large portion of the screen. So as a developer, I can't change the size of your thumbs. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I just it's not I can't do it, you know. Yeah. Wish I could, but I can't. All right, let's talk about monetization. Everyone's favorite topic. So there are a few ways that companies seem to make money off of their game. The most prominent one are in-game ads. And this is helped along by Unity as an example. A lot of games are written in Unity. They have an auction house for ads. So all you have to do is turn on the little line of code that says I want ads in my game, throw it in your game, and you just say I want ads to show up here. And they show up, you get money based on it, great. 
Now, most people, I would say, probably have an ad blocker on their web browser. Most people that know what an ad blocker is have one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think there was a couple times I had like two ad blockers. I had like uBlock Origin and AdBlock Plus running. <laughs> yeah, you don't need that. <laughs> yeah, I realized that. That was a while ago. But not as easy to block those on mobile. And therefore you have a prevalence of almost every game that is free to play has ads in it. And for the developers, it's an easy justification. You just go toss in an ad, make a couple bucks for my efforts. It's free to play for you. I get a few bucks back. Great. It takes up some of the player's time and most people find it annoying. Some people don't, which we'll get to later. But depending on the type of ad and depending on where you put it, can also kind of influence the perception of the ad. So as an example, if you have a periodic ad, every five levels, say, or it's not five, that's way too little. Every two levels, every other level, you you get an ad, it plays for 30 seconds, then you can keep going, you won't see an ad for the next two levels. That seems to happen a lot in these like match three type games where, yeah, you can just keep playing, but you'll, you'll get an ad and you have to watch it and there's nothing you can do about it. There's other ones that are like, I would consider quote unquote beneficial, like watch an ad and get an extra item. I know you don't like stamina based games, but watch an ad and get more stamina. Sometimes you just really want to keep playing and it's a way to do it. Not necessarily, you know, I don't like it because I don't like ads. <laughs> so with, with the periodic ads, there's an interesting thing there too is if you're throwing in periodic ads with you know every other level, that sort of design, you also have to balance how addictive is your game. Are you going to be able to keep people coming back level after level after level when they know if you have five minutes of playing the game and you beat four or five levels, you've wasted maybe a minute watching ads, you know, 30 second ads or something. Like how, how addictive actually is your game? And that comes down to game design, sound design, control scheme. Like how easy is it for people to play your game? How much can you keep them wanting to play your game versus how much are you willing to monetize it? And, and then you have to balance, hey, if my game's not really addictive, maybe you need to push monetization to get a buck from the people that are playing it and, and there's a whole separate thing there with with whales. Yes. And 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 people just constantly playing a game, and they're who you make your money off of. And and beneficial ads. I I actually kind of like beneficial ads more so than the periodic, just because if I'm able to select when I view an ad, there may be times where I'm sitting down like, yeah, sure, I'll watch an ad and get this extra thing for whatever you know, beneficial gems or whatever. But the the periodic ads from a, a developer standpoint, you really need to have a good understanding of the pros and cons of your actual gameplay and whether or not someone wants to keep playing your game when you keep having these ads popping up. But that also goes back to what you were saying, Adam, about the difference in, in opinion about these ads. Are they intrusive? Are they not intrusive? Right. And in that same vein about intrusive and non-intrusive, you have different kinds of ads, right? Full screen ads and banner ads. Banner ads I find really fascinating because it's kind of a holdover from the internet age where websites, any websites would just have banner ads everywhere. And anyone with an ad blocker no longer sees it, it just sees empty spaces all over the place. So having one pop up at the bottom of your screen, just kind of flashing at you is kind of something that I, I got unused to because of ad blockers on the internet. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I, I got used to not having banner ads anywhere. And, and, and occasionally I would have, you know, 
pop-up ad, not pop-up ads, but you know, YouTube, skip this ad, that sort of pop-up thing on YouTube videos. And so like, I actually prefer the full screen ads and, and the pop-up ads compared to the banners, just because I'm so used to not seeing banners that when I see one there and it's constantly taking up screen space, these screens aren't that big. Right. It, it, if it's constantly taking up screen space, that can be a problem for your gameplay. That can be a problem for your control schema. How do you balance that? And, and so there's this interesting thing in mobile gaming, especially where if you have a banner ad, you've just eliminated a certain portion of your screen from being used in your game and from potentially adding to your gameplay or something. So that's that's a whole separate issue for banner ads. And something I think I've noticed more so is that banner ads seem more prevalent on apps that aren't games than in games themselves. I think that's partially due to the ad networks and how they work. And like I said, how Unity basically comes with its own ad network built in. So all you have to do is turn it on and you're good to go. But banner ads are like more like traditional web ads where you go say to Google, you grab their ad thing and you toss it in your, your app and it just sits at the bottom of the screen and whatever, you can leave it there or turn it off. All right, so we're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back. And welcome back. So something that you touched on earlier that I wanna get into are whales, loot boxes, and gotcha games. So this is a big topic that's been pretty controversial in the last few years. There's tons of articles on it. There's tons of research that has been done on it. But for the uninitiated, basically the mechanics all work kind of similarly. You have what is an essentially a chance-based system that gets you certain items or certain characters, whatever. Whatever it is, it's a chance-based system. So there's a fixed percentage typically, or it can change depending on the game. But this is prevalent in gacha games, which comes typically from Japan. Pachinko is kind of like a gacha game where you drop a thing in and then it you basically have a chance of it landing in a certain spot but loot boxes are are a big one because they work the same way you have basically a wrapped present and you don't know what's in the present there's a chance randomly distributed or percentage chance that there's something good in it and it's that chance that drives people to keep getting them and this is works exactly the same way as a casino where the casinos are not propped up by you and i spending 20 dollars at the casino and eating at the buffet right they are not propped up by us they are propped up by the whales who spend thousands hundreds of thousands of dollars just playing poker right and really in in, in casinos that's comp- considered gambling addiction is these people who go and spend thousands and thousands and thousands and and some some days they may come home with a a hundred thousand dollar payout and then the next time they may lose thirty thousand dollars playing the casino you know and the 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 rule with the casinos is always the house always wins right that's always been that's that's the the forever really i mean the house always wins in a casino and in gambling and the thing with a casino though that's actually better than with loot boxes in a casino you get real money back right if you win right in loot boxes you're getting what a skin a playable character that is locked inside this ecosystem that you don't have a way of monetizing but they're taking your real money from you or invested hours but typically money typically uh, a lot of these systems are you get a loot box 
and it's a locked crate or something. You've seen this for years in PC gaming and, and in, in mobile gaming as well. You get this locked crate and then you must pay for a pack of keys or a, a, an individual key to unlock this box or crate. And then, then it will randomly generate or percentage generate a skin, a character, you know, gold reward, something. And that's locked inside the game's ecosystem, which is really what can be a big problem for this and, and what really kind of sets it apart from just standard gambling and even trading card games because it's different because at least with that, you have a physical thing that you can get rid of, you can sell it, you can trade it gambling you can get money and go take your money and go somewhere else with this outside of certain ecosystems i mean i think the most famous loot box system uh i'm gonna go out on a limb and say is is uh csgo counter-strike global offensive which is a, a pc game and there's skins in the game that go for an average of two thousand dollars on a company market that you can cash out and use real dollars for well or you at least you can buy more games you can get return on your value outside of the video game itself and so that is a separate thing than these games where it's like hey you can only do this thing in game you can't trade it you'll get duplicates you can't use and there it's just loot boxes are a huge problem and then the 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 second part of the loot box problem is who's being targeted with it you know what what games have it that are trying to addict people to opening these boxes and what they're doing that runs into a demographics problem which we're going to get to but i think we're still there's still a lot to break down with loot boxes and 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 what some of the issues with them yeah so mobile games in particular have started to succumb to this interestingly enough the ones i'll focus on is the ones i more closely play it pay attention to are these these kinds of japanese gacha games but this doesn't apply to just these types of games these apply to any game that has a loot box system there is a great reddit post which we will link in the show notes that describes this guy trying to get this character in it looks like final fantasy the, one of the final fantasy mobile games and the short of it is this guy is pouring literal thousands into trying to get this character and let's see he's he had a balance of four thousand dollars he dropped a thousand dollars trying to get another character and then it just kept going because the way that these these game companies work is and the way that they design these games is they prey on this exact kind of addictive behavior where they go hey we've got this super limited super kind of overpowered character and you want it you gotta roll the dice literally you literally have to roll the dice to try to get this this character and they'll they'll toss in you a bone every now and then like hey free five star or whatever this guy says he's flushed sixteen thousand dollars and i'm guarantee you that people have spent more on other games the thing is with mobile games is it kind of disconnects you from your money, kind of like casinos, where you make it really easy for the player to just buy things. And it can be really easy if you're not careful to lose a sense of your money. And the, the other thing too is these things are designed to be addictive. So not even just losing a sense of your money, 
but all of the sound design, the 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 visual design, the the actual like message and character like popping out of the crate, like these things are designed to be addictive. There is hundreds of years, right? Of well, I don't know about hundreds, but like digital digital gambling slot machines. These are completely designed to be addictive to get you to sit down, like. There is probably market share research into how to design gambling chair seats to be ergonomic enough that someone can just sit there for hours and throw nickels in, throw quarters in, throw dollars in, and just be addictive. And then the next step that casinos have taken is that you go in and you get a card. So you're just swiping your card. You're not even putting nickels in. You're not putting quarters in. You're swiping a card. And with this, it's even removed from that with a digital game. Because it's like, oh, one tap buy with Google Play? Okay, sure. You know, Google Play services, one tap buy, one tap buy, one tap buy. And you're getting all these things. And it's removed from this sense that, hey, that's a dollar bill. Okay, that's $5. That's $50. If I had $50 right now, I could go out and buy a, a two terabyte hard drive that I could use as data storage backup. You know, it's removed from your sense of money and how much you're actually spending but it's also designed to be completely addictive and as easy as possible to spend that money. Like Google Play has made it easy for you to go in and do that one tap buy and just buy your things, link your card, you're all set, you know, go in and do it. And, and that's by design because these are companies, they want to take your money because they are a business. Businesses exist to make money, right? Otherwise it would be a charity charities do not exist to make money they exist to distribute goods and services in a charitable manner i, I don't have a definition that doesn't use the word charity in it right now <laughs> but these this 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 gambling with loot boxes in games is a huge problem that can be hard for people to really realize is as big of a problem as it is and it's where you get reddit posts like this where the guy spent sixteen thousand dollars on this game gambling on loot boxes just time and time again and that's that's just ridiculous and this is just one of the posts that you hear about i guarantee you there's hundreds thousands of people that have the exact same problem just just haven't posted about it and you can kind of tell that some of these mobile games are designed for whales because you'll look at them and you'll look at some japanese games i believe by law in japan are required to publish percentages but american western games are not they might start regulating that but i haven't heard anything about that otherwise but because japanese games are required by law to publish those percentages you can look at it and go that's such a low chance why would i ever try to do this but to some people they go but i have a chance it's kind of like the lottery or literal gambling where they have fixed percentages. It says it right on the machine. Legally, that's required. Legally, slot machines and other digital gambling machines at a casino is required to say on it somewhere what your percentage chance of, of winning, at least the odds are, what the odds are. And every time you win, they make sure that the machine didn't break and didn't work incorrectly because of that. And I think there's a Reddit post about that. We'll have to find that later. Well, it'll be in in the show notes. But there's a there's a post about uh of a person who works you well at least used to work on on casino machines telling you exactly how what they did to to kind of handle these kind of situations. And the the point you brought up about the the odds being posted on uh, slot machines that's regulated. Like so in California because that's where we are and that's what came up first on my Google results. 
in California, there is a Bureau of Gambling Control run in the Department of Justice. And one of the things that they do, my understanding is, is they go out and they audit. So they will go out and they will check and make sure that these gambling machines are are accurate. And currently there's no system for that in loot boxes. So even if they start publishing rates, if, if no one's watching over their back, you know, why why would they stop these practices? So really there needs to be, there. the, the, the issue with regulation of an industry is always the enforcement of the regulations. And that has to be a accountable aspect of regulating loot boxes is making sure that there is an enforcement agency. And really, really, you have this agency that already enforces on gambling. If we go ahead and say, hey, loot boxes, this needs to be regulated the same way as gambling, just regulate it like gambling, throw it under the gambling control or uh, Bureau of Gambling Control. That's the easy, easy solution there. And and really, that would go a long way to and, and then and then you can have uh, like gambling addiction support for these sorts of things. And, and, and you know, special research into it like it opens up a whole whole host of possibilities if if you start regulating it through the existing bureau of gambling control now that brings up an interesting point is if you want regulatory agencies people will debate or whether or not that should be the government or not we can make that argument separately but some regulatory agency that needs to step in and say hey what this is considered is gambling and you need to put a stop to it companies have not agreed to this typically the biggest example was uh in last year a executive at ea stood in front of i believe a european commission it was a uk parliament and described loot boxes to lawmakers in the UK. And they used one of my favorite phrases recently, which was people like surprises. So they are surprise mechanics and not gambling. But if you look at how loot boxes work, they work exactly like a slot machine. You have flashing lights, you have positive reinforcement, like, you know, different sounds and literally different lights, depending on what you got out of it. You have color system in these in these games f- on purpose, right? You have, oh, purples, those are like super rare. Oranges, rainbows, whatever, right? Some extra color that isn't typically seen with like a flashing light and a different animation. And that just kind of reinforces that you got something special, which kind of draws you into it. And another thing there is not even just that you have this system that is similar to gambling and essentially is the same as gambling. It's worse than gambling because of what what I kind of talked about a little bit before, where it's all closed in the, the game ecosystem. There's a rare number of games where you're able to trade these drops or sell these drops on a market. PC has a pretty good system in, in, in the Valve trading system for games that operate on it, but there's other games that don't. And, and part of the issue there too is what's look at competitive games if you get banned from the game and you'd invested money into that game you lost access to your investment you you can no longer use these accounts these characters these skins these weapons whatever it is that you gained through gambling and so there's this inherent risk with these that is worse than with gambling and worse than with trading cards because in gambling and trading cards and slot machines you get this value return no matter what you have it even if you lose money on your investment you buy a pack of pokemon cards and there's just energy cards in it that are worthless like 
you still have them. You can still do something with them. It's just you lost return on your value, which happens all of the time in loot boxes because the odds are structured in such a way that it's nearly impossible to get these high worth skins or, 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 or rewards. But then because it's locked into this ecosystem, you've dumped money in, you will never get reward out aside from the actual pleasure of using it in game, which is, I, I think we can just say that is point of fact, that is a worse return than gambling and losing most of the time, but winning some money, right? I think we, we can just say that that's worse. Yeah, and especially mobile, especially mobile games, because if they tie it to your, if, you know, the game designers tie the game and its assets to either your account or your phone, it is much harder to get a new phone or account than it is to say on a different platform. Yeah, and and so we have this this system for monetization that these games have. But the the next step there is these games are advertising at kids too. Like there's a bunch of like we we discussed that the different types of ads, but in those ads you have you know the the lineup three games, connect three games, and you know other sorts of games that are being deliberately advertised to children to kids. And then what ends up happening is, is maybe the parents are just handing the kid their phone, they have this link thing, and the kid's like, oh, I just need to do this and I can get this. And they'll they'll spend money on these games without even thinking about because one, it's an addiction and they don't have a fully formed brain. So that's easier to get in there and cause these things. Lay understanding, not a medical thing at all. I have no idea, but I'm pretty sure it is. Um, <laughs> and then the other issue is, is as, as, as young people, they don't have a good idea of what is the worth of money? What is the value? What is the return here? And like we were just saying, there is a worse value and a worse return in these things than actually going and gambling a dollar, right? So that is a separate issue in and of itself. And I, I think we can move on to talking about the advertising and uh, demographics of, of gaming and mobile gaming that's happening with this. Right. So one of the notice, so I still play some mobile games. So I tend to see these ads a lot, which is where I got this idea for all of these discussion on that we've been having about advertisements. But the thing that I've noticed, and I have targeted advertising turned off, which means that I will get whatever ads that it decides to serve me. So what I end up seeing is a lot of different ads that are kind of like, oh man, there's a whole there's whole subreddits basically that are dedicated to examples of these but essentially some of them are like bet you can't beat this and then or the game shows the ad shows something completely unrelated and it's it's kind of like you're you're watching this and you're kind of left wondering who would fall for this and why and then you realize they wouldn't be doing this if it didn't work it's sort of like spam emails where it's designed to filter out people i don't want to say not smart enough but are prone to fall for these types of things where you go of course i'm smarter than this ad i'm gonna go prove it they have something to prove to a, a, an ad i don't know i can't claim to understand what's happening here yeah and and so these ads are, are are advertising you know certain like gameplay like oh this thing happens in the game and it maybe doesn't necessarily right. happen that way but they say oh yeah you can do this thing so technically it's in that there's a whole issue with the the ftc and how you have to regulate advertisements and stuff and, and there's some really interesting bits in that in some of the ftc documents that we're going to link in the case notes 
But uh, another aspect there that I think necessarily should be kind of brought up is is uh, sponsorships. So sponsoring like videos and stuff, because honestly, the only advertisement that's worked on me for a mobile game is actually they paid. Uh, I would watch like some Clash of Clans YouTube video makers because I needed to learn how to attack at certain levels and stuff. So I subscribed to several and every now and again, I would see a video come across my newsfeed that was a sponsored video from uh, a mobile game and I would go and look at it. And and what these people did, what the, these companies did was they took it and they said, hey, this game may appeal to this market segment. Let's throw some dollars into this market segment. And that worked for me. The only couple of games that I've really looked at and asked, you know what, I might be just interested in this were an ad where I had a personality that I knew and you know I don't they disclosed it as an advertisement they said they were getting you know funding or whatever it was from the company to do this video so I don't know if their opinions were true or not but it seemed like the gameplay was fun it seemed like the the video was fun and I would go and I would occasionally check out these games and that's really the only advertisement that worked for me but I'm also an older person not older person you know i'm in my 20s right <laughs> i'm not old <laughs> but i'm not a child so i see these ads are like oh i bet you can beat this i'm like yeah i know i can because i'm decent at video games but i also do not care because my time is limited but if you're a kid that's like yeah i can beat that and you're going in and beating it because kids don't know better so which i think is is uh a little mean uh, i think it can be undermining to just blow it aside like kids don't know better some kids do but i think it's a, a general problem where it's just like it, kids they don't know enough they, they they aren't exposed to enough and this is part of the exposure but when we have things so heavily targeting children and kids and this is a problem across all advertisement media i mean coca-cola advertised to kids all the time because you need to get them young to get them buying these products like large corporate advertising campaigns are aimed at younger people if you can get younger people interested in these products and buying these products you have a customer for life and with mobile games it's not necessarily true but if you can get the younger people involved that is a large base of people with nothing but free time because kids have way too much free time well i don't know if that's true these days but it's kids have more free time than someone who works you know a 10-hour day and comes home and has to cook and then do chores you know right but on the flip side i think these advertisements especially in mobile games are actually targeted towards older demographic because kids can learn. Although kids may not be exposed to these things, you can teach them and they will learn. Older generation, that's kind of already ingrained into the TV generation, TV and radio. Like you're being fed ads all the time on TV and radio. You're kind of used to it. And you know, the thing is with like the older generation and they those are the ones that typically tend to fall I don't have the statistics offhand, but you always hear stories of like the old lady that sent a ton of money to that Nigerian prince. And you have to wonder, well, is it because we didn't, she didn't learn? Like these are the dangers, the pitfalls of the internet. And this is something that you can easily fall for because you were preyed upon. It's the same thing with these mobile games. Like you, you probably have seen a lot of your family members playing like Candy Crush or similar type games, maybe. I, at least I have. The, the only games that my family really regularly plays, my dad plays Solitaire on his phone, and my grandpa plays Solitaire on his Windows XP computer. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, <laughs> no ads in solitaire unless you get the no. Windows version. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the point still kind of stands. I would say if you go out on the street and you just look around and people sitting in waiting rooms, it, you don't see the younger younger kids playing like Candy Crush. That's just, it's just not for them, right? They want something fast-paced like Fortnite. But in both games, you have different types of these mechanics. In Fortnite, you have loot boxes and skins that you can buy. In these match three games, they're all run the same way. You have these time-gated restrictions. You have in-app purchases. You have flashing lights. So it, it's kind of across the board, I would say. And and who's advertising and who's following for these things? Also, like we talked a little about about market. Uh, the the next thing is is market share. Who's playing these mobile games, right? And so uh, we've linked some stuff into the show notes from uh, Statista.com. I'm assuming these are fairly accurate. No idea how accurate they are. They have sources. Just for information, in 2019, the distribution of computer and video gamers by gender, male 54%, female 46%. I don't see a breakdown on what's mobile, but so there's a fairly even split on gender. It's obviously weighted more towards the male by uh, 8%, but that's fairly even. There's a large set, large population of female gamers. It's not as low as you'd expect. And then the age breakdown of video game players as well is is pretty uh, pretty important. So under 18, you've 21% of the population. 18 to 35, 40. 36 to 49, 18. And 50 years and older, you have 21%. And those are some pretty large groups. I mean, that those are some big gaps in, 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 in what is in what age gap or age group. That is who these markets are trying to reach, and you really have to look at it from a marketing standpoint. We mentioned you want to market towards younger kids as a corporation because they're going to be, you know, buyers for life, consumers for life. But also, if you're just trying to get, you know, if if your game has a life cycle of two years and then you come up with the next one, you're you're not looking for a buyer for life. You're looking to get this population playing your game for a year a month you know something just to get that ad revenue from them for that time being so you are marketing to everyone so like you were saying the the advertisements trying to hit that older population that's absolutely a thing that advertisement trying to hit that younger population that's absolutely a thing and then everything in between like it's there is no group that is not targeted to make money off of and actually, I think if you go back to the gender chart, I want to say that the point at which they started tracking it might be affected by when they started counting different types of games. So I think I remember from a few years ago, we might have to go dig this up, but before primarily gaming was heavily skewed towards male. And once they started tracking mobile games, I do believe that it started skewing more female at that point. So that's something we'll have to look into. There's a few other things that we didn't get to, but let's just go through some of the mobile games that we're still playing and maybe just quickly talk about why. So I'll go through my list first. I'm playing Dragalia Lost. It's a it's a gotcha game, but it's by Nintendo and Psy Games. And what draws me into that game is the story is actually not bad and the art is pretty unique, but it is in the end a gotcha game. However, there's a lot of stuff to do. It's an RPG, but it's an RPG that you can play on your phone, which is kind of interesting. Um, very simple and very high skill ceiling actually in some of the you know high level boss fights, which I have not even done yet. Egg Inc, 
it's a clicker it's one of those time games that i just open and close basically that's really it farmville same thing like you open it tap on three things and then you close it and you don't think about it for the rest of the day so they're really kind of like no brain needed kind of games what about you well i mean the big one that i've played off and on for a long time now is clash of clans uh i played clash royale which is kind of an offshoot uh deck building type uh game it's actually really fun i kind of think about getting back into it i really kind of stopped playing mobile games I, one of the games I played a lot when I was younger was Word Hero, I think was the mm. game. I remember that. And then uh, another really interesting mobile game that was a in-person cooperative mobile game that we played a little bit was uh, Space Team, which still ah. exists. Yes. Um, but man, that game was fun. But it was also an in-person thing, so there's a whole social side to it that's a little different than a lot of mobile games. I don't know. I just uh, The issue I ran into with mobile games is I just didn't like how a lot of it was monetized and time-locked or grind-locked, and I just kind of stopped playing a lot of stuff. Um, and also, like, I got the Nintendo Switch. I play on my PC. Like, I'm not solely a mobile gamer. It's more just to buy time. And really, I do other things on my phone to buy time. I read Reddit. I do other stuff. So really, I kind of slowed down on the mobile gaming. I really don't play a ton of mobile games anymore. Yeah, it's it's something I have a lot of games installed my, on my phone, but it's something that I don't it's it's something I'll pick up when I have nothing else to do. And I don't know if I don't think this is the same for everyone else. And and it's interesting to kind of consider that fact. You don't really say I'm going to sit down and play hours of of Clash of Clans. You just do it when you're like kind of bored and like waiting in a waiting room somewhere. The the big play scenario I had for Clash of Clans was when I was at school. Exactly. And I was in between classes or something. I would pop it open. I would play it. And really, if, if, if looking at like my play history for that game, I played it when I was going to community college and I played it when I was going to uh, Northern Arizona. I, that's when I played Clash of Clans. I really haven't like since quarantine started, I actually like stopped playing and like you know, I really haven't opened it up. And then and then the the other thing too that's kinda hard and tough for a lot of these things is I'm a, a social gamer. I don't really play a ton of single-player stuff much anymore. Uh, I tend to try and play more multiplayer-esque games. Animal Crossing aside, but, you know, we still send each other letters and stuff. Like, there's still some social aspect to it. So, like, games that have, like, a clan or something or a group or a party that you can do things with, that's my more my bread and butter. And I tend to actually i still kind of keep trying to go in and check out games and every now and again i'll go down the top grossing list or the top paid or the top free whatever it is and i'll look for stuff that might appeal with me because i know i'm still looking for that game that just i love and i just haven't found it yet because there there is a game that would keep me checking on my phone you know once or twice a day getting in playing for like 15 minutes or so and then quitting but i just haven't found it yet and i'm yeah. sure it's out there but i don't know that that's that's the challenge and and that wraps all the way back to the beginning where we're talking about when you're developing and designing these games you have to consider these all of these things and and it's tricky i i don't you know i don't develop games myself neither you nor i but i i think it's it's an interesting thing to think about and it's a it's definitely something you have to design your game deliberately towards and to that end i have one more thing and that is i have to push i'm not paid for this However, I will disclose that I did beta test this game and I did provide feedback based on all the things we talked about today. And that is a buddy of mine at work is making this game called Dead Word. Now, uh, we have some links in there. They don't all work yet because uh, the trailer is still in progress 
and I think the I'm in the beta so I can see the link for the Google Play but anyway it's a pretty neat concept it's a survival horror game where you use four letters to try to get to other words and you're basically fighting off zombies and and gathering resources and you're basically running you could be running for getting you know trying to get all the words or you're trying to run for time try to get a lowest time i think the fastest someone has gotten is under an hour for running end to end something like that now again i didn't get paid to say this but i did provide a lot of feedback and kind of helped with the direction of this game so i feel like I have some obligation to at least mention that in this episode about mobile gaming. And it's it's interesting to watch. It was really interesting to at least every now and then I'll give some feedback to, to Derek, the developer, and, and his perspective on him actually making it and my feedback as a player, it was kind of interesting to see and kind of take these, these notes on, well, we don't want to push this aspect of the game or things like even small things like oh this icon is too small i can't see it i can't tap on this icon it's too small just things like that it's something that's really interesting and i don't know i just wanted to promote it because i thought it's a fun little pick up and put down game so i think it's worth sharing and with that thanks for listening make sure to follow us on twitter we have a twitter account at aces cases and you can find the rest of our social links on our website case studied that show thanks for listening